Guys, ready to let it go? Let it go, let it go. Throw your sins right out the dough. Let's let it go this morning. All right, well, obviously, we are in a new series. If you missed last week, I want to encourage you to visit our app, visit us online, and find the last week's message as we talked about the understanding that freedom is your inheritance, and each week is going to build upon one another. And I want to tell you, I think I'd rather be in the children's time right now. If you've seen all the 50 flocked Christmas trees and the, the snowflakes, and I want, to, I want to just tell you, back in, back in my day, back in my day, it was a good day when you got like a graham cracker for a snack in children's ministry. They're getting snow cones this morning. They had a snow machine. I, I, I remember thinking how, how everything was changing when, when VeggieTales came out. Because back in my day, like when we got bored, the teacher would pull out a felt board and, and put up like a little felt Jesus and like, here is Jesus and the disciples and kind of move him across. On the last day of this children's series, they're going to bring a live reindeer to all people's church. Now, that's church, folks. Reindeer showing up. So, no, it, seriously, what I love most about our children's ministry is the kids, truly, they're just falling in love with Jesus. Last week, I heard a testimony of a, a child that went uh, to the children's time injured, and without the teachers even instigating it, kids gathered around and said, we need to lay hands on you and pray for healing. Come on. So that, that's what we're believing for. We love to have a good time. They've got like a snow machine back there. We want them to think that church is the most fun place on earth. But really what it all boils down to is them falling in love with Jesus and doing the stuff. So that's what we're excited about. We're going to try to have some fun in here as well. And let me just welcome back our college students. So they were in um, lot last service. We love our college students here. And college students, if you haven't had a chance to sign up for World Mandate, we want you there. And let me just say this for everyone, because my life got turned upside down in a World Mandate conference in college. And that's why we're so passionate about it. Some of my greatest divine power encounters with the Lord in church services came in that conference. If you can't afford world mandate, please do not let the finances be a hindrance to you. Please make a sacrifice, you know, sacrifice one of your seven bente frappuccinos of the day. But if you can't afford it, pay what you can and our church will cover the rest. That's how much we want you there. So we're excited about that. Well, this weekend is a very monumental weekend. Monday signifies a very important holiday for us as a nation, one in which we took significant strides forward in the equality and the empowering of every person in our nation. I'm alluding to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and let's take a look at his most famous speech for a minute to commemorate this time.
that awesome? You know, what is it about, what is it about this speech that sticks with us 50 years later, many world leaders, politicians, business people, students, advocates have made speeches, yet they go on unnoticed. But this speech we're looking at five decades later, and many of you could recite some of those words. I think it's for several reasons. Number one, there's this desire in all humanity for freedom. Secondly, Martin Luther King spoke up at a time and offered hope in an era when many people were hopeless and many people were beaten down. But I think the third and most powerful aspect of this speech was he took some of it straight from Scripture. I don't know if you heard that. He quoted Isaiah 40. He said, every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill will be made low, and the rough ground shall become level, and the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. And I I don't think he was talking about some geographical phenomena. He wasn't talking about when there's no delineation in topography. He was talking about the, the valleys that we go through those dark valleys. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He was talking about those mountains, those obstacles that stand in our way, that loom in our path, and obstruct us from the destiny that God's called us to. And that's the power of God. When the glory of God comes, the obstacles in front of us, the low places that we go through, the rocky places that we seem to get tripped up in, bogged down in, in bondage in, they're broken. And we as God's people become free. And so I hope when we're watching this clip today, there's two things going on in our heart. One is excitement of how far our country's come. You know, in the 1960s, if you look around this room, most people couldn't have envisioned a church like this with people from almost 30 different countries with a a staff of black, white, Latino, Asian, all working together in equality, advancing the kingdom as one family. And by the way, let me just say this. I know that there's problems in our society and in our nation today, but I truly believe that a church like this and many others that have this vision of all peoples united as one family under the name of Jesus is the hope for our country. Because there, there's, there can be superficial unity, and then there can be Holy Spirit unity, where we say, the same blood in my veins is from the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and it's the Prince of Peace, and that peace that's flowing through me is the same peace that's flowing through you. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what color you are. We celebrate that and are excited about the distinctive qualities God's put in you and the people group and the family that you came from. But the same spiritual blood is in both of us. And therefore, we can unite and advance God's kingdom together and show people that we can all have peace when we submit to the Prince of Peace. The, the, the second reason, though, I, I think we should get excited when we hear a message like this is we can look at our lives and say, 
the inheritance for God's people is freedom. I mean, did you hear those words? It was so poetic. So let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that, let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. Let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. But I want to tell you, although we live in a free country today, there's many that are living in bondage. And that's not God's heart for you. Although you might be outwardly free, unfortunately there are many Christians who find themselves in captivity to the schemes and the plans of the enemy. And that's what we want to address today. And that's why we're doing a series called Let It Go because we want you to be set free. Dr. Martin Luther King knew that he had an enemy, that he was confronting an enemy, and that was vicious racism. It was opposing his people from being set free. Do you know, Christian, that you have an enemy? You know, because many people don't believe that. The last statistic from Christianity Today, a survey taken this year, showed an appalling fact that 65% of Christians don't believe in a real devil. And I tell you, when you choose to not believe in a real devil, you're believing exactly what the devil wants you to believe. Because when you don't believe in an enemy, then you don't set up a guard against his attack. John 10.10 says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come, that's Jesus speaking, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. There is a huge juxtaposition between Jesus and the devil. And I want to tell you, just as there is a Jesus who is the king of kings and lord of lords and reigning on his throne, there is a devil. He talks about him and he says his purpose in your life is to steal, kill, and destroy. Therefore, as believers, we must learn to identify his attacks so that we can avoid the snares he set before us. I want to look at one of Jesus' famous parables today, found in Matthew 13. If you turn there with me, Matthew 13. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers are walking down the aisles with Bibles. We'd love to give you one as a free gift because we want to be people rooted and anchored in the Word of God, not just on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday as well. I pray that you'd be a people that are devoted to studying and chewing on and memorizing and meditating On the word of God, it is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It will equip you for this life that God's called you to live. Matthew 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. 
But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. Now other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus is talking about four different types of soil. Let me propose to you today that these are four different types of Christians, or maybe even there are four different stages that you need to walk through in order to live out the calling and destiny that God has placed upon your life. In three of the soils, the enemy comes to plunder. He comes to attack. He has a scheme to rob. And I want today, the primary purpose of this message is to identify the enemy's schemes in our life. Say identify. Identify. In order for us to live the life that we're called to live, we have to identify the enemy's schemes so that we can set up a guard, so that we can avoid them, and so that we can fight against them. Have you ever met a Jedi master? <laughs> have you ever met a Jedi master? We just uh, two weeks ago, my son Joshua turned eight years old. And what he wanted more than anything was the original Star Wars movie. And I felt like at eight years old, it was a rite of passage, finally time. He had grown a maturity where he and I could watch Star Wars together. This is the original one, the one with Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Chewie, you know, doing, doing his... His deal, and, and they come against the evil forces of Darth Vader and are trying to attack the Death Star. And, and hands down, my, my favorite character in Star Wars is Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I love Jedi Masters. Obi-Wan Kenobi was the last Jedi Master. The other ones had been killed, and he shows up, and he instructs young, immature Luke, use the Force, Luke. I love when, he, when they fly up in their little land cruiser and the stormtroopers come up and they're like, are you, you know, are, are, where are you going? And he's like, these are not the robots you're looking for. And everyone's like, these are not the robots we are looking for. You may go now. We may go now. Don't you want to do that in life? That has nothing to do with my point. But I just started thinking about that for a second. <laughs> You want to give me my lunch for free. I want to give you. <laughs> okay. So, <clears throat> I've been with a Jedi master. Uh, a Jedi woodsman named Taylor Abeel is in this church. <laughs> Some of you know him. And I had the chance to go camping with him. I took my sons with me and we went up to the uh, mountains in central California and we were coming around a trail. And now, listen, I, I'm a camper. I'm a hunter. I, I'm out in the woods. I kind of know my way around. But I come around this turn, and in the path is a massive rattlesnake. And all of a sudden, I turn in from the big strapping young buck that I am into a third grade girl. <laughs> And the first thing I want to do is to pick up my boys and just run. The problem is I would have just run right in the woods and gotten lost. Jedi Master <laughs> instead looks and he goes, 
That's a western rattlesnake. Six and a half feet long. Therefore, it can only strike six and a half feet. We're approximately 12 feet away from it. It can't get to us. And then out of nowhere, he picks up this long stick that has a perfectly forked branch straight, straight out of like survival or the crocodile hunter, picks it up, and he's like, don't worry. It's more scared of us than we are of it. And he picks it up, moves it away, and he's like, follow me. And I'm like, yes, sir. <laughs> <clears throat> Have you ever been with a Jedi master? So uh, a little while later, we're with Taylor again, and I'm at a wedding. I'm, I'm facilitating a wedding, and my boys run up to me, Daddy, Daddy. And I'm in my suit talking, you know, a little drink right here. And I turn around, ah, they've got a huge snake in their hands. And I'm freaked out. It's a big old snake. And where I grew up, we were afraid of snakes. Snakes were, were not good. And they're like, Taylor goes, Robert, 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 it's not poisonous. And quickly, he gets a stick and starts drawing in the dirt how you can identify the difference between a poisonous snake and a non-poisonous snake. He's like, you see the venom pockets in the back of their skull. And I'm like, how did you know this? And, and, and here's what I've learned about Jedi Masters. They know how to identify the enemy. And they understand the enemy's attack. I want to say today that there are not enough Jedi Masters in the church of Jesus. There's not enough Jedi master Christians who understand the enemy's ploys and how he finds footholds in our life. But I want to equip you, young Padawan, today, all the little Lukes out there, and Lucas. Uh, today, I, I want you to understand how to identify the enemy's schemes Verse 18, it says this, Jesus is going to, he, he shared this, this parable in the beginning of, of Matthew 13, and his disciples are like, Jesus, we don't understand. And so he actually explains this one. Down in verse 18, if you'd look there, it says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. He's basically saying this. We as Christians are, are the ground and he's sowing the seed. But if you're a hard ground, a path is hard. If you're a hard ground, and, and, and also the path is where everyone tramples. It's the common path of the world. It's the worldly path. Do you know that if your life is hard, if your heart is hard, and if your life just resembles the worldly path, that the enemy will come and steal away the word and life of God from you? Do you know, Christian, that your life should look different from those in the world? There's far too much worldliness in us as Christians in this day and age. So the, 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 the word path in the Greek is hodos. Hodos, and it means this. It means a road or traveled way. But it also is a metaphor for a way of thinking, feeling, and deciding. Let me ask you, do you have a kingdom manner of thinking, feeling, and deciding? Or do you have a worldly manner of thinking, feeling, and deciding. Our lives should look different from those 
in the world. In the early days of planting this church, Stephanie, my wife, and I had the privilege of, 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 li- of living next to a, a lot of San Diego State students. And one by one, we had the joy of seeing many come to know Jesus, hear the gospel, and come to Christ, accept him as their Lord and Savior. And I remember one girl that we really loved and had a heart for. She was living a wild party lifestyle, and one day we're sharing the good news with her, and she just breaks down crying, and she commits her life to Jesus right there, and we were overjoyed. But then what she started realizing was that there was a wedge being driven between her and her parents because her parents were not living the same kind of lifestyle that the Bible was teaching her to live. And we told her, you know what? You can love your parents in the midst of this. In fact, God will put his love in you, the agape love. You can unconditionally love them and honor them more. But there are some ways that God is going to lead you that are very different from the worldly path that you and your family were once on. Well, this really disturbed her. And then some of her friends started taking note that her life was changing and said, you know, you're, you're starting to be different than you used to be. And that started really bothering her as well. And I remember it culminated in one day when she and I were out on our street in our neighborhood and we were talking to another guy in another house who was known for his wild parties and, and actually because he knew that I was starting a church in my house, the conversation started about Jesus, and I told him that he could know Jesus, and he seemed really interested, but then he looks at her and goes, you know, your life has really changed. And I'm thinking, yes, he's seeing it in her. He's seeing a difference. And then my heart was broken when she said, no, it hasn't. I'm still the same old girl you've always known, and I still want to party with you and do the same things. And I thought, oh, no. And that was the beginning of the end. She started drawing away from life group, stopped coming to church, and soon she was back in the same lifestyle that she had been in before she came to Christ. And in fact, one year later, I had the opportunity to sit down with her, and we were talking about her life and her future, and I was reminding her about the decision she made and pointing her to different scriptures, and Her face was kind of blank. It wasn't registering. It was like all the life had been stolen right from her. And I want to tell you, that's why there are many Christians that have prayed a prayer in a service or a conference or a concert, but their lives look very different than that of Jesus. And their lives look very similar to those that are in the world. Do you know that when you live on the worldly path, you actually attract the enemy and his demons to come and steal the life of God right out of you? It's not about just doing wrong. It's not just about being a a little rebellious. It's about attracting the enemy to come and steal from you. It says that the seed that fell on the path, the birds came down and snatched. And some of you have far too sweet a view of birds. You know, you're thinking about the little hummingbird that comes to that little sweet nectar feeder right outside your kitchen window. The dove that lands lightly on your window seal. Now, let's talk about those mean black crows. I raised chickens. And I didn't raise chickens growing up, so I had to do some studying on the Internet to understand how to raise chickens. I even got a chicken book. And I bought some... 
I bought some little chicks last Easter and brought them home for my kids. And, you know, they were kind of making a mess in my garage, so I was ready to get them outside. But right before I did that, I got online and said, okay, what's the appropriate age to let chickens outside because I'm about to do this. And I read this horrific blog where this very compassionate chicken raiser had put out her chicks a little too early, and she said she turned around and looked back, and to her horror, a mean black crow swooped down and decapitated one of her chicks. And that's the kind of bird Jesus is talking about. (laughs) That is what the enemy wants to do in your life. Now, let me just give you an example here. I find that people have demonic interference in their life. And and some Christians, you know, they're like, oh, do demons even exist? I just want to tell you, read the Bible. Jesus was constantly confronting demons. And actually, that should in some ways be a comfort for you because some of you think that you are so messed up, and it's really not you that's messed up. It's demonic oppression in your life, and you can get free. But, but, But let me just tell you, There are ways that we open the window and let the demons come into our life. Here's one. I remember talking to a young man who was dealing with tremendous amount of fear, and he'd say, at night I'll be awakened, and and I'll be be getting choked, and I'll feel a a heavy presence on my chest, and it was scaring him so much. So I just asked him a simple question that I often ask, what kind of movies are you watching? He said, well, I've been watching a lot of horror movies. I said, well, let let me ask you a question. Who do you think is the author of horror movies? I read him John chapter 10, verse 10. The, steal, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, and Jesus came to give life most abundantly. Now, which of these characteristics seems more in line with a horror movie? He was like, the, the devil, the thief. I said, absolutely. Now, I said, you've got to understand from Scripture that the eye is the lamp of the body. What you take in actually pollutes the insides of you, that's found in Matthew 6, Let me read it to you. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Do you know, men and women of God, that it matters what you look at? It matters what you view. And so there are many Christians that are not filtering with a godly lens what they behold with their eyes. They're watching all kinds of movies that are horrific. They're demonic. They're witchcraft. They're extremely violent. They're extremely sexual. And then they're wondering why they're getting demonically oppressed. It's because the eye is the lamp of the body. And I want you free. I'm not coming to put some legalistic chain on you. I just want you to be free. Here's another way. Sexual sin. Sexual sin opens the doors for the demonic traffic into our life. Sexual sin is simply sexual activity outside the holy confines of a marriage. And so what happens when you unite yourself with someone in a sexual nature, it's not just a physical act. The Bible is very clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that there's a spiritual connection, and therefore you begin to share spiritually the demonic oppression that's in someone else's life. You're rebelling against God. Your body's the temple. You're opening up and desecrating your temple and partnering with the enemy, and therefore you get all kinds of birds coming, the enemy coming to snatch the life of God from you. 
And I want you to be free. And we'll talk more in the coming days about how to get deliverance. I've got to tell you, Jesus has authority over all demons. He can defeat any one of them. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to set you free. No one is too far lost. No one is too far gone. But I first have got to help you identify ways that demons can come and traffic into your life. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be possessed. Because if you're a believer, you're the possession of Jesus Christ. But the enemy can still attack someone who belongs to Jesus. Here's the second type of soil. There's a, another way the enemy attacks. So the first way he attacks is when we walk on a worldly path. And he sends the demonic forces to attack us. The second way, though, is through strongholds. If you're taking notes, write down strongholds. It comes in verse 5 of Matthew 13. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, so it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. That, that rocky soil. These are people that they've gone, I'm going to get off the worldly path, and now they're more tender. They're, they're trying to follow God. But what they find is whenever they have a trial, Jesus says when there's trials or persecution, it, it quickly withers. Why? Because whenever there's a trial, whenever there's a persecution, maybe they get a schedule that's too busy and they get overwhelmed. Maybe they have a fight with their spouse. Maybe there's not enough money. All of a sudden, they freak out. All of a sudden, they, they, they flip out. Maybe they, they lose their temper. They, they go into a, to rage. Or maybe they just shut down life and, and run off. Why? Because of strongholds in their mind. You know, you'll always have trials and troubles in your life. It's what you do with them. And look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10. Let me just define strongholds. It says, for though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. It's going to define them. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take, every, uh, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Uh, a stronghold is an argument in your mind against the character of God. This argument that comes up and goes, God doesn't love me. This argument that comes up and says, God's not going to take care of me. This argument that says, God's not going to be gracious with me. God's not for me. Those are strongholds. Those are not you. They are patterns that the enemy has set in your brain. Militarily speaking, a stronghold is a garrison or a fortified place where there's a large number of military personnel and a, and a, a, a large amount of artillery so that someone cannot overtake that area. That's what the enemy tries to do in your brain. He tries to take up strongholds, and he says, yeah, you've turned to follow Jesus, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stake my ground right here in your mind, and it's a thought. It's a thought that plays over and over and over. Some of you know these recurring thoughts. You're constantly hearing, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'll never amount to anything. I'll never be free. I'll never be free. I'll never be free. Everything I touch dies. Everything, I'll never, I'll never make it financially. You just have these thoughts over and over in your mind. Here's some common strongholds. A stronghold of fear. A stronghold of rejection. 
Let me, let me show you how a stronghold of rejection would, would play. You, you're finally going for it. You, you finally got involved in the church. You're getting on fire. You're worshiping. You jump into a life group. You're knit into community, and you're growing like never before until that one day that someone in life group says something a little hurtful to you. And you know that you should be able to just brush it off, but instead, in your mind, it just starts spinning. And, and at first, you're like, I can't believe that person said that. I can't believe that person said that. You know what? Everyone in that church says things like that to me. Everyone in the church is like that. You know what? Every Christian in America is like that. You know what? All Christians on earth hate me. And then you're finally like, forget it. I'm just going to walk away from the church. And it wasn't even true. But it was a stronghold of rejection in your mind that you believed instead of the truth of Scripture. Here's another one, stronghold of fear. Just giving you a couple illustrations of how it works out in our church. You go, man, I, I want to go on that Mexico mission trip. Half the church went last year. They saw people saved. Almost every person led someone to the Lord. There were miracles and signs and wonders, and we're planting a church there, and that's great. And you're about to sign up, and then you're like, oh! I'm so scared. It's Mexico. <laughs> I, my aunt told me about a person who read an article that something might have happened bad in Mexico. I better not go. And you end up not doing what God's leading you to because of fear. Do you know that anytime you respond out of fear instead of responding in faith, it's sin? As Christians, we should move in faith, not cower in fear. But often we have strongholds of fear in our mind. And some of us realize it's been passed down from generation to generation. You're like, you know, man, I, I realize I have the same fears as my dad. And, 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 and he has the same fears as my granddad. And, and you just think, well, I guess we're just the fearful people. No, it's a stronghold in your family. And it's time to break it off starting with you. So we just confess them. We confess, you know, I'm dealing with fear. I confess. And then what do you do? You repent. God, I'm sorry. I turn away from that. And then you renounce it. No more. I renounce that stronghold of fear. We will not walk in it from here on out. And we need to cut out the voices that are affirming our strongholds. You have this stronghold of body image, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just always thinking about my body image, and I just want to be free. And then you pick up your Cosmopolitan magazine, and you're like, oh my gosh, she is so... And you're just reaffirming your own issues. You're fearful, but then you're constantly listening to the talk radio shows where they're like, oh, the sky is falling down. And you're like, oh my gosh, the sky is falling down. You need to cut out those voices that are affirming your strongholds, and then you need to confess, repent, and renounce, and walk free. Let's look at the last soil, the third soil. I'm sorry, the third, not the last. The third soil says this. The other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And then Jesus goes on to explain that in verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is the third type of person. You know, we talked about the first one, the one on the path. 
in, in, in worldly living in sin, and the enemy's coming and stealing it. Then we talked about the person who's decided to walk off the path. They're trying to go for God, but they still have these huge strongholds, these faulty ways of thinking that they need to get rid of. But then there's a, a third group. They've really walked away from that. They've gotten some freedom, and now they're on their journey. They're running towards the Lord, but all of a sudden, these, these vines start growing up. And, 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 and they're not that the, the demons, and they're not these big strongholds. They're just the normal worries of life. You know, do, do I, am I really making enough money? And do, do I have the nice car and the nice house? And am I in a good career? And do I, do I have my kids and the things? And am I going to have a, a vacation? And, 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 and am I going to eat out in a great place? And they're not bad. These are not wrong things, but when we get overly focused on them, we start looking down, all of a sudden, they start coming and wrapping around us. They become our focus, and instead of the sprint, you know, I, I see a lot of people my age, I'm 38 years old, I see a lot of Christians my age, they walked off the path, and, and then they started getting free from their strongholds, and they've been running after the Lord for a while, but then all of a sudden they've got a, they've got a, a spouse, and they've got some kids, and, and all of a sudden just the things of this world start getting a little more important, and, and their pace just starts slowing, their, their radical kingdom pace starts slowing down, not because of some gross sin, it's just they got so into this little activity, or, or, or these clothes, or, or, or this gadget, or this trip, and the things of the world started encumbering them, the deceitfulness of and it doesn't have to be how much cash you have. Just, oh, I'm so wealthy in so many ways. Do you know that your stuff can actually own you? There's, there's nothing wrong with stuff until it starts owning you. I remember I started realizing, you know, I'm not that radical because I'm into so many other things. And, and, and so I felt led to do something. I'm not telling you everyone needs to do this, but as you can tell, I talk about it a lot. I love movies. I mean, I can replay a movie in my mind. You might look at me sometime and I'm just staring off in the distance. I'm like replaying a movie in my mind. I know you're just stunned by my mental power that I can do that. Right now. But, but, but here's the deal. Movies aren't bad. I mean, there are some great movies out there like The Hobbit. And, and Jesus has his movie, right? There's a Jesus movie. So movies are not bad. But, but I remember a year in my life where I went on a year movie fast. Why? Because I realized I was always satisfying my desires with movies. And, and I wanted my focus to be on Jesus. Do you know that even good things can cloud our focus? That's where we get the theme verse for this whole series. Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Some of those things that are hindering us, are they're just the worries of life. They're just, they're just, I'm just too into my vinte, frappa, mocha, rancho, cucamonga, whatever. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. The answer is fixing our eyes on Jesus, and sometimes we just have to, sorry, that, that's the whole reason we're going to fast as a church. That's the reason we start semesters fasting. We'll fast the couple days before World Mandate. Why? Not because food is bad. I love food. 
But sometimes we just have to push it to the side and say, I I need to push the worries of this life aside so I can just focus unencumbered, wholly and completely on Jesus. And that's why I start every day with my FaceTime because I'm like, I I I just know me. I'm an easily distracted person. You guys know that about me. I get distracted in my own sermons. And so I've got to start. I've got to wake up. I've got to, I've got to clear my mind with the washing of the word. You've got to wash your mind with the word. You've got to take a word bath in your mind. You've got to take those thoughts captive is what scripture says. Sometimes these thoughts just start running off and you need to be, uh-uh. I got you, little thought. I've got you. Let's, let's look at this last part of the scripture to end our time. It says this. Still other seed fell on good soil. That's what you want to be. That's what I want to be. It fell on good soil where it produced a crop. Awesome. The seed fell and then a plant came up, right? One seed, one plant, right? No. Did you see this? A crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. What God is saying is this. When you clear out your life, when you say, I want to be free, I no longer want to be entangled by the things that encumber me on my race, I'm going to be good soil, I'm going to hop off the path, I'm going to clear out the strongholds, I'm going to brush off the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and I'm just going to be receptive, tender, open, fertile soil, then God plants his word in it, and it doesn't just grow one for one. It grows 30 for one. It grows 60 for one. A hundredfold fruit until people start looking at your life and don't say, oh, that nice little flower. No, they say, look at that beautiful field. Look at the, the growth. Look at that, that, that majestic picture of God's grace in my friend's life. Smell the sweet aroma coming from their life. Because your life is bearing fruit a hundredfold what you've even dreamed. And that's what God wants for you. Let me stand up. Would you close your eyes with me? Lord Jesus, we want to be a people who are free. Would you just ask God right now to bring to mind what way, what manner, what method or ploy of attack the enemy is using to stifle your growth, to keep you in bondage today. Maybe it's a deliberate sin you need to repent of. Perhaps it's a thought pattern that you thought was you and you're realizing today it's a stronghold. Perhaps it's something that's not even bad, but you realize it's gotten a little too much of your heart. Whatever it is, would you do business with God right where you are in this very moment? And for some of you, Today's a day where you actually give Jesus Christ your life. You say, I, I don't know if I actually belong to him. I want to nail it down today. I want to ask him to come in and set me free to be my Lord and Savior. I want to pray with you right now. You can just repeat this prayer right after me. If your desire is to give Jesus your life for him to save you of your sins, say, Jesus. You can repeat it right after me if that's your heart. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for paying the price 
thank you for rising from the dead. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a new life. And I'll walk with you forever. And for everyone praying that prayer right in this moment, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if that's you right now, I want to just pray over that group of people who are saying, today I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. If that's you, will you just look up at me real quick? Everyone else just praying and focusing. But if you just look up at me and just wave your hand just really quickly so I can see. That's you. Just wave at me. Just all over this room. Just wave at me if that's you. Awesome. Okay, who else? Just wave at me. Make eye contact with me so I can see. That's you. Okay. I see you back there. Who else? Just wave at me real quick so I can see that's you. Okay. Anyone else? Just wave at me. Father, over my... The ones that are praying today, we bless them. We thank you that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far you've removed their transgressions from them. They're a new creation in Christ. This is the beginning of their journey as a child of God. We celebrate that today in Jesus' name. Prayer team, would you come forward right now? We want to pray for you. Perhaps you felt very strongly, yeah, there, there's an area of my life I want to be free from. I want to encourage you to come forward and to partner with one of our prayer team members today in just agreeing to go on that journey of freedom today. Let me see one of these books, please. If you were one of the 